Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series titled Elijah. We're learning about an ordinary man with extraordinary faith who stood up in a time of darkness. Thanks for joining us today. I remember growing up and riding in the car and once in a while, a guy by the name of Paul Harvey would come on. Anybody remember Paul Harvey? Man, yeah, I loved the, the rest of the story. I love those things. And in one of those stories, he tells about a three-year-old boy who went to the grocery store with his mom, and his mom said before they even got to the store, you're not going to get any chocolate chip cookies, so don't even ask. Any parent in the room, can you get behind that? Don't even ask. We're not going there. So the kid was doing just fine until they went down the cookie aisle and he saw the cookies. He couldn't control himself. He said, Mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She reminded him he wasn't even supposed to ask, sit back down in the cart. So they made their way through the store. You know how you snake through the store and you end back up in the cookie aisle. And he again said, Mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? We're here in front of them again. And just as urgently, she insisted that he sit back down in the cart. And so they're done shopping. They approach the checkout, and he knows this is it. This is my last chance. So they are stopped in line waiting to check out. The three-year-old stands up in the cart, and he shouts, In the name of Jesus, may I have some chocolate chip cookies? Amen. Everyone nearby got a big laugh, just like you did. Some applauded, and people went and bought 23 boxes of cookies and gave them to his mom. His prayer was answered. Children believe anything is possible. Children believe anything's possible. But when we grow up, we say things like, let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. We lose our expectancy and we lose our hope that is full of anticipation for what God can do. But God doesn't change. We're the ones who change. You know, I mean, I struggle with this. Something comes up in my family or at work and Sarah will say something like, hey, let's pray about that. And my first thought sometimes is I'm not really sure that's gonna do any good. Why don't you just let me handle it? I still struggle with this. And I'm wondering if any of you ever struggle with those thoughts or if I only prayed better or only prayed the right words or if I prayed longer, you wonder, does prayer accomplish anything? If you've ever thought those things or you struggle with that, I'm glad you're here today because we're going to talk about expectant and persistent prayer and how we can have confidence in what we're praying. This summer, we're studying the life of Elijah in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, and we're spending time learning, if you're following along in your notes, Elijah was an ordinary man with extraordinary faith. We've seen in the life of Elijah this this beautiful intermingling of God revealing himself to Elijah and Elijah listening and obeying Elijah's extraordinary faith is demonstrated in this one-day-at-a-time obedience, trusting in God's character and promises. So over the past month, we've seen God use life situations, just like he does in our lives, to train us for the mission that he had for Elijah. God had Elijah stand up to evil King Ahab and tell him it wasn't going to rain for three years, and he defied the false god Baal. 
He then took Elijah into seclusion and took him to the Kareth Brook where Elijah had to rely on God for everything he needed, food and water. And then God led, to Elijah, led Elijah to Zarephath where he could learn to trust God's provision through the widow that needed oil and bread. And he also learned the power God had over life and death when God raised the widow's son to life. And all of that training led to the story we looked at last week where the Lord led Elijah to go again to King Ahab and tell him it was gonna rain after three years of drought. And then that led to the confrontation on Mount Carmel where God proved that he is the one true God and Baal has no power. So today we pick up the story immediately after this showdown. So I wanna invite you to open your Bibles or your devices to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. If you don't have a Bible or own a Bible, there are black Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. And I always believe it is so helpful to have a copy of God's word open in front of you to circle things or take notes and see what might stand out to you. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. I wanna read the whole story to you first so we can hear it in one reading and then we'll go back and talk about these verses individually. You can follow in your Bibles or on the screen. Here's the story. And Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. This is the word of the Lord. So let's go back and look at these verses and what we can learn about God, learn about ourselves, and learn about prayer. Story begins in verse 41. Remember the context here. It has not rained in three years. Can you imagine what three years of no rain would do to our community or our country? That, that is what Israel is living through right now. And Elijah tells Ahab to go celebrate Ahab, you go celebrate because a mighty rainstorm is coming. But notice up to this point, there's not a cloud in the sky. It hasn't started raining yet. No lightning, no thunder in the distance. And it's interesting in verse 41, you may want to circle this or write it in, where it says there is the sound of heavy rain. The Hebrew word translated sound here can also be translated voice. Elijah was certain the rain was coming, not because he heard the sound of rain, but because he was claiming the stated promise of God that God had given him in chapter 18, verse 1. If you're following in your notes, would you read this promise in the first gray box with me? It says, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. 
If you're following in your notes, Elijah can't hear or see the rain, but he's trusting the character and promises of God. What Elijah has learned the past three years of training and spending time with the Lord is if the Lord said it, then it's going to happen. And this is what makes Elijah an ordinary person with extraordinary faith, his trust in the character and promises of God. In the first week of this series, we said, although we'll be spending time with Elijah, God is always the main character. In any story we read in the Bible, and what we need to know about our God is that he is a promise-keeping God. You may be here today and you're questioning your faith. You're about ready to give up on God because it doesn't seem like he's answering your prayers the way you hope they would be answered, that he doesn't care about your situation. And I wanna say to you today, God never changes. His word is sure, his promises are true, and when he makes a promise, you can be certain he will fulfill it. If you're following in your notes, that the basis of our faith is not on our situation, but on God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises. That's what our faith is based on. God has never once failed to fulfill a promise he has made to his people. His answer might look different than what we would expect. His timing might be different than what we would hope for, but God keeps his promises. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, would you read this with me on the screen? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Our God is a promise keeping God. And Elijah believes this to his core. Elijah trusts the character and promises of God. And because of that, we read in verse 42, would you read this with me in the second gray box? So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. So Elijah sends Ahab off to celebrate, and then he prays. And this actually isn't unusual. This shouldn't surprise us about Elijah. We see him praying a lot. He prayed at Kareth. He prayed at Zarephath. He prayed for God to consume the sacrifice on Mount Carmel. And now we find him praying again for rain. In fact, prayer is the most common characteristic we're told about Elijah in Scripture. And it's how he is described in the New Testament. He's only told about once in the New Testament, his character, and we're told about him in James chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. You can see this on the screen. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah is a person of prayer. And in verse 42, we're told the posture that Elijah took in prayer was bowed low to the ground with his face between his knees, which suggests intense prayer. I mean, he's, he's like in the fetal position praying, God, send the rain that you promised to send. If you're following in your notes, Elijah prayed expectantly because he trusted the promises of God. I imagine Elijah saying things like, I'm asking for what you already said. 
Do as you have spoken. King David uses those words too. Do as you have spoken, Lord. Or what about God? Keep your promise. We all know what this looks like and sounds like, right? Think of your kids or grandkids, nieces or nephews. Kids do this all the time. Have you ever heard them say, Mom, you said you were going to play that game with us. Dad, can we have ice cream? Because you said we were going to. So that's what this expectant prayer, praying the promises of God, sounds like. We, we pray what God has already said. And as a wise parent, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. He knows what we need. So his answers might look different than what we expect. I've said already his timing may look different, but we pray the promises of God confident that he keeps his word. So what might it look like to pray the promises of God in our life? For a long time, I still struggle, but for a long time, I didn't feel like I was good at prayer. I felt like I could read the Bible or I could pray, but it was really hard to do both of those things. I didn't necessarily enjoy prayer. I found it difficult to pray. I questioned its effectiveness. And the number one thing that has helped me pray is praying scripture. Let me say this. The only way to know the promises of God is to spend time in the word of God. So if we're not spending time in the word of God, that's where we need to start. But as I read the Bible, I've learned to turn scripture into a prayer. I'll spend time reading, and then I'll pray what I've read. And if there's a promise that I come across, I circle that, and then I pray those promises. So for instance, this past week, I finished the Old Testament and began reading the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 1 is the genealogy of Jesus. And then after the genealogy, we read these words in Matthew 1, verse 21. She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And I finished reading that, and I began praying for family members and friends who don't yet follow Jesus. And I said this, I wrote this down. God, you sent your son to save people from their sins. I'm holding on to the promise that you don't want anyone to perish, but want everyone to repent. God, do as you have said. Reveal yourself to our ones, our family and friends who don't yet know you. That scripture guided my prayers. And I prayed for people that if I wasn't praying scripture, I'm not sure I would have prayed for that day. So if you feel like you're not good at prayer, you don't feel like you have the right words or how to begin, or even you wonder, am I even praying the will of God? Is this what God wants? Then start with scripture and pray the promises of God. I believe if you do that, your confidence in prayer will be strengthened. When you pray God's words, God spoke directly to Elijah and he still speaks to us today through his word, through his Holy Spirit. And when we pray this way, our faith is grown and we have a greater trust in the character and promises of God. So in addition to reading through God's word and praying what you read and circling the promises, you can turn to God's promises in whatever situation you might find yourself in. There are books that can help you with this, or if you spend enough time in God's word, you'll know his promises. But if you're in a situation where there are multiple options you can choose that are all God-honoring, you can know that James 1.5 says to ask for wisdom and God will freely give it. So we pray things like, God, I'm stuck. 
I have a decision to make with a lot of options. I need your wisdom. You promise to give it to those who ask, and I'm asking you for it. Or if you find yourself tempted to sin, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 promises God will never tempt us beyond what we're able to endure and that he will always provide a way out. So your prayer might sound like, God, I am overwhelmed right now. I'm tempted. I want to go down this path again. You promised I wouldn't be tempted beyond what I can say no to, and I need you to provide a way out. Or maybe you have a child that isn't following Jesus. You know Philippians 1.6 promises that God will complete the good work he began in us. So we pray things like, God, I'm crying out to you right now for my child. You promised you will complete the good work you began in them, and I am trusting you to do that. Or maybe you struggle with fear, and you need to remember that the most frequent command given in the Bible is do not fear, and the most frequent promise attached to that is because I am with you. And so you pray, God, somehow, some way, I need to know you're with me right now because I feel this fear and this anxiety building inside of me. You have promised the gift of your presence, and I need to experience that now. Friends, the promises of God, as we spend time in his word, are an invitation to prayer. They're an invitation to prayer, and they give us confidence that we are praying in agreement with God. Elijah trusts the character and promises of God, and he's sitting on top of a mountain while the king celebrates, and he's praying for God to fulfill his promise to send rain. And then in verse 43, if you're following in your Bibles, we read these words, go and look toward the sea, Elijah told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So I wanna put a picture on the screen of you of what this might've looked like for Elijah. This is a picture of Mount Carmel in Israel looking toward the Mediterranean Sea, no clouds in the sky. This is where Elijah might have been, and he is looking out over the sea, and it is beautiful weather. <laughs> beautiful weather. So put yourself in Elijah's shoes for just one moment. You're sitting here. You have this view. You've just promised the king in front of the entire nation that the three-year drought was over. Everything's on the line your credibility, and more important, the reputation of God. And if you're following in your notes, what Elijah does is he prays persistently. He prays persistently for rain. Seven times he sent his servant back to see if there was rain on the horizon. He never gave up on God's promise. And I want you to notice something about Elijah that gets overlooked. He never actually looked for the clouds himself. He was bowed to the ground and his face was between his knees. And one author I read this week said this, Elijah praying persistently illustrates a fundamental principle of audacious faith. When what you see around you doesn't match up with what God has spoken in his word, then hold on to his promise because we live by faith, not by sight. Elijah didn't waver in his faith because of limited visibility. He refused to second guess God's promise and purpose in this situation. 
And instead of giving up, Elijah sent his servant back again and again and again. And if you're following in your notes, what I believe this does is praying persistently keeps our focus on God, not our situation. It helps bring us back to God over and over again. And sometimes God answers our prayers quickly, like we saw last week when Elijah prayed for fire to consume the altar, and it immediately did. And then this week, he continues praying and waiting for God to answer. So let's just name what we're all thinking. It is difficult to wait. It's difficult. We want answers fast. And it is frustrating that God is never late, but he's seldom early. There was this ordinary person named George Mueller. You can see his picture on the screen. He lived in Bristol, England in the 1800s, and he founded five orphan homes and cared for over 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. In November 1844, George Mueller began praying for five of his friends that did not yet follow Jesus, and he committed to pray for them expectantly and persistently every day by name. It took 18 months, and the first friend let him know that he began following Jesus. Five years later, a second friend. Six years later, a third friend. 36 years later, in 1880, he wrote that two of his friends had still not made a decision to follow Jesus. But listen to these words he wrote. George Mueller wrote, but I hope in God, I pray on, and I look for the answer. They're not saved yet, but they will be. 52 years after he started praying daily, those two friends gave their lives to Jesus after George Mueller had died. He never even saw it. But I believe George Mueller prayed his friends into the kingdom. I believe prayer changes things. And there's this mystery that we have to live in that God knows everything and he's in control and he's sovereign, yet prayer changes things, and there are things that will only happen if we pray for them. Priscilla Shire has this great quote about this mystery. She says, prayer is a privilege to partner with God to unlock what he plans to do anyway. It doesn't manipulate God or force his hand. He allows us to be his partner. But I am convinced, I believe there are great things awaiting us and awaiting the kingdom of God if we only ask for them in prayer. Prayer changes things. And like Elijah and George Mueller, when praying expectantly and persistently, if you're following in your notes, when we pray this way, we anticipate God's answer. We anticipate it. Jesus spoke this and told us to pray this way as well. Pray with confidence and believe. So we anticipate God's answer, and it gives us hope to continue on when it's difficult to wait. So Elijah is sending this guy back, and he's saying, did you see anything yet? Did you see anything yet? Did you see anything yet? Six times nothing. And then the guy comes back, and he said, there's one little cloud in the sky the size of my fist. And Elijah said, that's all I need. It's go time. 
And when we pray, we anticipate God's answer. All Elijah had was a little cloud, but we pray and then we pay attention. We look for evidences of God working. We keep our eyes open to where he might be asking us to join him. We anticipate an answer and we celebrate a little cloud in the sky and we make preparation for the heavy rain that's coming. The waiting is hard, but if we're willing to trust God in the waiting, we're willing to trust his promises, it grows our faith. The waiting is a place we lay down our pride and we rely totally on him, knowing we can't manufacture anything on our own. And I wanna share one more thing about this waiting that I think can be helpful. It changed my entire perspective on waiting because I'm not a waiter, I struggle. I read a book last year on prayer and one thing that blew me away was a question the author asked. He asked this question, have you ever considered that maybe God waits to answer our prayers because he wants to spend more time with us? That just stopped me for weeks. Persistent prayer brings us back into the presence of God again and again. And we show up and we say, hey, dad, hey, father, I'm here again. I need you. I need you. I don't understand this. I need you. How are you working in this situation? Persistent prayer brings us into the presence of God. And the fact that God might wait to spend more time with us makes sense because most important to God is our relationship with him. Pastor and author Pete Gregg has this fantastic quote. I want to put it on the screen. It says, prayer is primarily relational rather than transactional. God's greatest gift is always, ultimately, simply himself. So while we pray expectantly and we pray persistently the promises of God, one caution I want to offer, if you're following in your notes, don't desire the gift more than the giver. When we approach God with the intention of telling him only what we think we need and what we want, we are sure to be disappointed. I've lived this over and over again. I treat God like a vending machine, and then I'm disappointed. And that leads to a bunch of things like questioning God, questioning my faith, questioning his promises. But when I spend time with God, thanking him, praising him, coming to him with requests and his promises. I'm focused on the giver, not just what the giver can give to me. Prayer is fundamentally about a relationship. And I appreciate one pastor that says the primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we think God ought to do, but to be properly formed and develop a relationship with him. And if you're following in the notes, prayer is a practice that shapes our faith and forms us in the way of Jesus. It's a practice, that word's intentional. We're never gonna figure it out or have it all figured out. We practice prayer. So yes, we pray and we ask and we claim God's promises and we persistently pray, but as we pray, we need to remember that what we need most is not what Jesus can give us. The thing that we need most is Jesus. I love uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, would you read this with me on the screen? It says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. 
God fulfilled his greatest promise to rescue his people and send a savior when he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live the sinless life that we could not live, to die the death we deserved and rise from the dead to give us a resurrected life we could never earn. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to God, a relationship with Jesus. Somebody in here may just need to hear this. A relationship with Jesus is what we need most in life. It's what we need most. So while we ask, we need to be careful to want the giver more than the gift he gives. And our story ends immediately after the small rain cloud was spotted. Verse 44 begins, if you're following in your Bibles or on the screen, it says, so Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. This is yet another example of Elijah believing the promises of God, right? It hasn't even started raining yet. He saw the cloud, rain hasn't started, and he tells Ahab, go prepare your chariot because it's gonna rain so hard that if you don't leave now, you're not gonna make it home. And the story finishes with the power of the Lord resting on Elijah and Elijah hightailing it to Jezreel, 13 miles away and supernaturally outrunning Ahab's chariot. And I think this ending is in here. I think it's in here because God wants us to see that his powerful hand was upon Elijah, an ordinary person, and that he is the God of the impossible. Elijah was an ordinary man with extraordinary faith, through whom God did extraordinary things. And I'll say it again, the most frequent characteristic we're told about this extraordinary faith is that he prayed. He prayed. If we want to have extraordinary faith, then we must be a people of prayer. So let me ask you a question as we close, if you're following along in your notes. Will we be a people who expectantly and persistently pray the promises of God? Will you intentionally carve out time to do this, to build a relationship with God, and then come to him with confidence? As you put your notes away, we're gonna give you just a minute to think about this before we take communion together. And I wanna ask you just a, a couple prompts a couple questions for you to think about over the next minute. Is there any prayer that you have lost the expectation for God to answer? Is there something you've prayed about where you don't anticipate God's answer anymore? What have you given up on? Who have you given up on? What have you been waiting for God to answer and you are tired? It's taking too long. What's causing you to question the character and promises of God? Where have you stopped praying and you've started relying on yourself? Or what do you need to start praying expectantly and persistently today, even if it takes 52 years to see the answer? We wanna give you just a moment to name that. In the silence, name that. 
and invite Jesus into that and pray specifically and expectantly. I wanna give you just a moment to do that. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church or to get connected, please visit cherryhillsfamily.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us.